What's up, guys? We were thinking about changing the uh, release date of the podcast to Saturdays, a little bit before the normal GSL code-ass time, so the people that are up uh, super late and have or have time to kill before the show starts, they'll be able to catch the podcast uh, at that time. Um, so this is our new time for now. We're still going to be a bi-weekly podcast. Uh, this episode is with Special. I've known Special for a really long time, as you guys will see in the interview. Uh, this interview was a little bit more uh, biographical. I was really curious about his history as a pro. This guy was insanely successful at a really young age. He actually reminds me a lot of T.Y. in some ways in that regard. Um, we talk about not just his past, but what you know this whole situation's like with, with COVID and being unable to travel. And it's a really good episode. I think you're going to really enjoy this one. Um, before we get started, quick reminder, as always. If you like this show and you want to see more stuff like this, the best way to support that is to go to our Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash tastelesspodcast. Producing content like this is not free. It's not easy to do. And it requires a lot more people than just me. So uh, any support you can throw our way is really appreciated. Uh, and now without further ado, the Tasteless Podcast episode was special. Okay, so we can just hop into it, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Um I wanted to do an interview with you that was going to be more of a biography because I think I met you when you were like 13. Is that correct? Maybe 12 in China. 12? Yeah. When you were 12 then? Probably, yeah. So we were in Chengdu in China. Um, and yeah, you were like this little kid from Mexico that I met. And here we are now. I've known you for so long. Um, how did you first start getting into gaming as a kid? So... I used to play, I don't know if you know the cards Yu-Gi-Oh! I used to play that in a, like a convention center and there was a lot of stuff in there. There was like the, there was a Yu-Gi-Oh! card store, there was a, a LAN center and a bunch of stuff over there. So I, I was playing a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, like a lot, spending a lot of money and I was pretty good. But then, I don't know, like the LAN center was literally next to the, the Yu-Gi-Oh! store. I think I know what you're talking about. Like. So in, when I was in Kansas, there was a comic book store that had like eight computers, and then there was tabletop games and card games. Was that the kind of place no, no, you were no, going well, to? It was a different stores. Oh, they okay. were literally across to each other, really close. Oh, okay. So I we see. would play like in the middle, in the middle of both stores. We would play Yu-Gi-Oh, and then we, I one day I saw I, I entered that building with my friend, and they all, there were so many people playing Brood War, so many. They were playing fastest map possible, map possible, and then I started playing. And eventually, I I started playing more StarCraft than Yu-Gi-Oh, basically. And you didn't have a computer in your house. You're like, I think you're the first person I've met that is talking about going to a land center that that is not Korean to learn about StarCraft. Mm, I did have a computer, but it was not mine. I think it was my mom's, and I didn't use it. But after that, she bought me a computer, like some time afterwards. So was was it expensive to go to that that land center? I know a lot of those in North America went out of business because they couldn't make money or they'd have to charge so much money that like there was no nobody would ever go and stay there for too long. Well, I was a little kid, so I think she would get. The thing is, like, I don't remember exactly the numbers, but I don't think it was that expensive, especially because it's Mexico. It's not as expensive as the U.S., for example. But I, it's not like I would go every day as well because my mom would drive me and pick me up, you know. So it was right. like two or three times a week. What was school like for you as a kid? Were you a good student or were you a degenerate? No, no, no. <laughs> so as a little kid, I was, believe it or not, I was really athletic and really, really good at sports. I was in the football, well, soccer. In, we call it football in real world. In, real in the rest of the world, yeah. yeah. We were, I was like one of the best of the team. And we were, we had a basketball team, a, a football team, a Swimming team, I was bad at swimming. We have a running team, I was really good at running as well. A volleyball team, we had everything. Yeah. It was like, it was the, the, my school was the biggest one, not the biggest one, the, the high, highest quality school in, in the whole city. So we had like everything. And I was pretty good at that. But no, I was a normal kid that liked to play sports more than study. What did your mom think when? you know, you were getting better and better at games because at some point in time, actually, let me go back a second here. When did you first start to actually compete? Because I met you in China when you were 12. Yeah, compete. Okay, the thing is like, 
I started playing StarCraft, right? And then I got my own computer. And then I started playing online. I think it was back when PJ Tour was out then. And then Icy Cup afterwards. But the thing is, is I never had friends at all. Like, I, I used to play, right? And then one day, I don't know if you know, do you know Dino? you remember Dino? Or no? Yeah, I met Dino, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he's a player from uh, California. Yeah, Pro's player. Who I, who I think actually was a hacker. Yeah. Because yeah. I, went, I went to his house. I stayed at his house. I, I think I did a tournament in, in like Hollywood. Um, and then I went and stayed at his house for like a day or two afterwards. And I watched him play. And like when I would play against him, he beat me a lot. And then when I'd watch him play, his macro was just shit. And his decision making <laughs> was really bad. And I was really confused. Because I would just watch this guy be like, how, how does this guy always beat me? Yeah. Um, and he was a nice guy. Nice guy. But uh, yeah, you, so you were friends with him? So I met Dino. And then Dino introduced me to the, you know, there was the West server, the East server, Asia, blah, blah, blah. So I, I, he introduced me to the Koreans on the West server. And then I joined some Korean clans. But then I, I just kept playing by myself and no one knew about me until like WCG, I think. I was like 11 or something. And I show up and I won WCG Mexico. Who, is, who are the other players at WCG Mexico? There was, there was this guy called... I mean, there was, we, had a, we had a lot of players in, in Brood War, but I don't remember exactly their name, but I remember someone named Stratos and... That's right, uh, Stratos. There was this Protoss guy that went to like every single WCG and I forgot his name. It's not Zealot Aito, he's Spanish, actually. No. Any, like, anyways, so, so you so, won so, he, he would go to every WCG, and then a, a little 11 guy show up and he beat, I beat everyone. I think I swept the finals or something like that. And then who, who, is, who is this guy? And that's... Were people surprised? Were yeah, people shocked? Like, yeah. They knew who I was, but they didn't think I could win because I didn't play with them. I used to play on IC Cup or in West. Did you have to have your, your mom there? I think Did I, you go to the tournament alone? I think I went with a friend. Damn. Yeah. No, I, I don't remember who I went. Maybe my mom was there. Yeah, that's really long ago. Like, I, I don't know if I have many memories from when I'm 11, but... Yeah, it was really long, but I went there. It was in my city, so I won. It was in Guadalajara? Guadalajara. Yeah. Guadalajara. So there was like the regionals per city. And we happened to have the grand final also in my city, I think. So I didn't even have to travel. So I won that again. And then that was the grand final, right? I won, I won the regional first and the, I won the grand finals. And then I won the trip to China, right? It was in Chengdu. Yeah, and that's where I met you. Like. Did you get to travel much before that? Ah, yes. We well, my mom is a travel agent, so we would go a lot to like the U.S. for mostly to the California to the Disneyland, obviously. So I went like four times there. Okay, and Cancun. Oh yeah, Cancun. I've heard is is great. Those were the places that I went most as a kid. But never in Asia, then, right? No, 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 no. Not at that age. No. <laughs> so what what was your mom thinking when you come home and tell her that? You're going to be going to China now. Well, maybe she was there. <laughs> I don't know. Because maybe she was at the tournament, right? But right, right. Yeah, so you don't, this, she, whole, this whole memory is kind of blurry yeah, for you. Yeah, but she said... At first, I don't know if she agreed that I had to go. Because obviously, she wasn't going to go, right? Nowadays, if a kid qualifies, the tournament will pay for like a, the family to come over. Back then, no. Yeah. It was just the only player. I think at the end of the day, since my mom is a travel agent... She ended up organizing the whole, everyone's flight from Mexico, you know, because oh. it was so many players. Oh, <laughs> okay, that makes sense. So she ended up like organizing all the travel and all the log logistics for all the, <laughs> the players. Was that scary for you to to go to China? I mean, China is a really different place yeah. from anything that's yeah. in North America. Well, I was with the fighting guys. They were playing. I don't remember what they, but they were fighting players from Mexico. And they took care of me, so it was it was okay. I didn't. It was not not bad for me. And then, what was your travel experience like after that? Did you get to go to many overseas events? Because at that time, I mean, this is this is around right when Danami had moved to Korea. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, now there's esports events like every day, yeah. right? And you know, and I mean, obviously, there's nothing happening internationally with coronavirus, but. Uh, in the normal times, it's like there's tournaments every month or every week, and there's online cups and all this stuff. But back then, WCG was like the big, yeah, the big global tournament for people yeah, like us. Yeah, it was like the only tournament that we had, right? Yeah, the that, only big one. Yeah, or maybe like 
TSL, I guess, that happened randomly, and I guess that's it. But yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I honestly just went to WCG, and after that, I was just. I don't think I went to another Blood World WCG. I think I only went to one, and then StarCraft Two came out or something. I don't know. How. So um, let me think here. That must have been. So you were eleven then, or twelve then, 12, when 12, I met you. I won Mexico at eleven, I think. And I think StarCraft Two then came out like two years later. So you'd be thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, something like that. Wait, what when it came out? Ten years ago. So it's ten years. Actually, like I think basically today is the ten year. Yeah. yeah. Anniversary so, of it. So. Two thousand ten. Be two. Yeah, it'd be two thousand ten. Yeah. Yeah, it would be like sixteen, I guess. Okay, so um, did you go right into being a pro for StarCraft Two? I I was still playing Brood War, like even before the game came out. I was close to coming to Korea to play Brood War. Actually, I don't know if you remember with Artosis, he was in the Easter House or whatever. Mm-hmm. I remember that. The and Easter I played yeah. test games, and I beat one of the Protoss players, and I lost to a Zerg player. And then I was gonna play more test games, but then Brood War came out. Not Brood War, sorry, StarCraft Two came out, and then that kind of died. So that killed my motivation, right? So you stopped playing. Yeah, I, it was a weird time, actually, because, yeah. like, it, anytime there's a new game that comes out and there's an old established game, there's always, like, this earthquake yeah, yeah, yeah. with inside, like, the, the scene. This happened to Smash Brothers, like, a couple times already, but, uh, and we've seen it with Street Fighter V after, you know, it came out after Street Fighter Four. but, like, all the pros have to figure out, okay, do I want to go to where the money is, or is this game just a, a trend that's going to go away in a year or two? And so it seems like you wanted to stay with, with Brood War then, with StarCraft 1. Well, it was what I know and what I, was, I already saw. You know, I watched like Pro League on TV and stuff like that. So I, I didn't know anything about StarCraft 2. I, I didn't play StarCraft 2 for like six or seven months. But everyone, most people from Mexico that were Brood War players kind of switched. And I know, I knew this guy that was my friend that also played Brood War a lot, and he was pretty good Terran, but he switched to StarCraft too. And then like six or seven months later, he said, oh, you should come play. It's, it's, I think you're going to be good at this game, because he knew I was still good at Brood War. You know, I was still playing Brood War and other games, or just, I used to play a MMO, actually. MMOs? Uh, yeah, it was called TV. I don't know if you know, it's a... What is it? It's a huge Mexican, huge, huge, huge game in Mexico, Poland, Germany. Wait, wait, wait what's the game's name? Again? Tibia. Tibia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know it. It's, it's I so feel good. Like I should it, look it up on my phone. It's really good. But how do you, how do you spell it? Like you know the bone tibia, the same T I B I A tibia. I don't know this at all, but this is big. Oh, I think I do recognize this. Okay. Yeah, I used to play that a lot. Like even. During the StarCraft 2 days, I would play that also. But as I said, I, I was not playing, I didn't play StarCraft 2. And then I started playing StarCraft 2. And then after a week, I think I become like top three GM on, well, there was no GM back then, but top three on the NA ladder in like a week of start playing StarCraft 2. Was it an easy switch then? It was pretty easy, yeah. Yeah, this is kind of... Like, there was, because like, I play on my friend's account. It was not even my account. They gave me an account. They, this guy was like a top... 150 or something and then in a week he jumped to like top 10 like he has to be hacking yeah, <laughs> they yeah. thought I was hacking so it reminded me everything from my Brood War days because I remember when I entered Brood War they said this guy is hacking yeah you remember that no? yeah well, I mean, I, well, everybody was accusing everybody of hacking back then yeah. I was actually shocked when it, they had the tools that came out that proved that you people were hacking because yeah. I never thought anybody was hacking I just thought there's no way anybody would bother to hack in an old computer game. Oh, you know, you'd be surprised. Yeah, and it was... So, yeah, people thought you were hacking because you were doing that. Um, when StarCraft Two first came out, was there... I, I know this happens with a lot of people where they're loyal to StarCraft One, And I saw the reverse happen when StarCraft Remastered came out where all these StarCraft Two people were like, no, like we can't go back. And, you know, you're somebody from both worlds, right? You're uh, an excellent StarCraft One player. And obviously a very star, uh, accomplished StarCraft II player, but uh, because the game was mechanically different, StarCraft II that is, were you reluctant to want to switch? Were there things about the game you didn't like because you had spent so much time playing Brood War? Well, I think I was lucky enough that I, since I didn't play this first six, six months or whatever, that's when it was the worst, right? That it was like a bunch of one-base builds and stuff like that. Because I remember watching the GSL, like the first verse, like it was so bad. Like, I, 
But oh, then, the games are terrible. It was awful. I mean, there were these guys that were like just two basing off barracks or one basing off barracks yeah. and just trying to stem and run up the ramp. And like sometimes the guy force fielded it and then yeah. other times he missed it. Yeah, yeah. So I skipped all that part because everything like that died during six to seven months. So it, at my time, there was like already two base builds, you know, kind of. So I guess that helped a lot into not really noticing the difference that much. So I really didn't care. The only thing I really cared about was how easy it was to macro. Yeah, I had, I had reservations about that when the game came out. I always felt like that kind of was the game. Yeah. But <laughs> was clicking on all the different Nowadays, buildings. like now, 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 2020, it would be impossible to play StarCraft 2 maybe without that. It would be too hard, I think. You think so? You think it wouldn't just be a different game? Yeah, I mean, it would be a different game, but the thing is, like, in StarCraft 2, your units die so much faster than in Brood War, right? Right, that they die really fast. So yeah. if you don't pay attention for one second, they're going to die. And now it's hard. Imagine with, like, having to go back to your base and click all. It will be... Yeah. Did you have uh, reservations about the fact that you could select everything? Was that weird for you? Yeah, I, I thought it was bad. But then... Afterwards, it kind of used the game evolve, and it just showed that doing that is not even good. Yeah, yeah, you're, it's it's never a good move to just have all your hot army on one hotkey. Like at the beginning, it was we all thought, oh my god, this is terrible, it's so easy, blah blah blah. But nowadays, StarCraft Two is very hard to play yeah. at a high level because having everything on one hotkey is just bad. For example. Yeah, yeah. When you switched over, um, and you started to dominate. Did you then try to set your sights on coming back to Korea? Was that the initial plan then to just kind of restart this? Yeah. You, you've been in Korea three separate times, right? Let me think. TSL. I was here once when I got invited to the TSL house, you know, with. Right. And then the Gom house. And then the A team house. And then I will say, I mean, I've been to like six different houses, but like in periods of time, I would say like four times, actually. Four times. Yeah. And then the first time you came was, was when? Before BlizzCon 2011 or 12 or something Damn. like that. Damn, okay. It was really old back then. Yeah, really bad. So, let's see here. How old would you have been when you first... Well, I'm, I'm 27 right now. Yeah. I would have been 17, I think. 17. Something like that, 18. And you were basically moving to Korea. Well, not moving. I came for like four or five months to play. No, less, less, less. Yeah, but I mean, you, yeah, so you were here, you were staying in a foreign country for an extended period yeah, yeah, of time. Yeah, extended for like one month and a half. Or two. W was your mom excited for you with that, or was that scary for her? Was I there mean, any? I guess it was scary at the beginning because. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, is your little kid's going to go away to, <laughs> to a place. obscure Asian country? I mean, at least I can speak English, right? Kind of. But I don't know. I feel Koreans are not that good at speaking English for the people that I met so far. I feel like Koreans are, some Koreans are good at speaking a certain type of English. I mean, like they learned in school. Yeah. But I think a lot of Koreans don't have conversational in, English down. Yeah. So it was hard. But I don't know. There's did, always Google Translator. You, how did you learn English, by the way? Did you just Brood learn work. in school or school TV? School work. Okay. So just being online and. And school. Yeah. Okay. Like my school had, my school actually had Chinese as well. What? <laughs> Yeah, we had yoga, Chinese. I told you it was crazy. We had swimming. Was this like like a really good private school or was it? Yeah, well, it was because the owner that just recently died, he he's one of the he's all he was also the owner of like a really really big company, and also the owner of the one of the most sports football one of the most famous football teams in Mexico. So he was, okay. and he always tried to make. Good impression, not good impression. Good, good positive stuff for his stuff, you know. So that school was like a very high class, high class school, as in the way that in, in it tried to make the kid grow in yeah. every single way, not only study, you know. So we had like a lot of stuff. So when you came to Korea, obviously, I mean, you have a, a Mexican accent, mm. right? I mean, I had never have a difficult time talking to you. I understand what you're saying. Um, but I know for like Koreans, they're used to a very specific type of English sounding accent. Was communication really, really hard for you when you got here? I think, I think they understood what I was saying, but if anything, we always had a problem. There was always Google, you know, Google never failed. Yeah. So, so you guys are using like Google Translate yeah, PC, like you type yeah, it in and okay. Yeah. 
So it was, I mean, it was not the best, but since I was just this little kid staying home and watching them play and play myself, mm -hmm. it was, it was okay. It was not that bad. Do you have any weird stories or, or situations where there was like a language barrier that had to be sorted out? Fuck. Or even a cultural situation. Like for me, when I came out here and I, and I did my first like live TV show, um, I didn't know that. Like the guy who like basically hired me, who was like this important person, um, he right before the show went live, he said, "I'm gonna go get a coffee," and I said, "Oh, awesome! Can you grab one for me?" And I like pulled out some money and gave it to him, and it, apparently like this was like this big, like this is offensive that I did this to him, because like you're not supposed to ask your superior to get you coffee. In Korea, but I didn't know that. I just thought it was like, okay, well, can you have like two hands, right? Can you just like I even gave him money, but apparently that was like very insulting, and I had no idea. And it stressed me out because then I had to go live on TV. But it was like, it was like, you can't, you can't fucking ask him that. That's, you know, he's your boss. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what we're talking about. I don't, I just wanted a coffee. Is that weird? And then, but do you have any moments like that where you said the wrong thing or didn't understand what was going on? I guess, yeah. I mean, mostly it's about the things you say, but I don't really remember them that much as well. Yeah. But it would be stuff like that. Yeah, I guess. Like, but that's a culture change, you know? Yeah. More for than sure. anything. Like, other than that. Not really, not nothing. I I I'm always being like an open 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 person, you know. So I don't, I don't really care too much about stuff, and I'm open always to learn or to change. So, what was the food like for you? I mean, Mexican food and Korean food, I feel like is pretty. The thing that I helped, yeah, the thing that helped me, I think, is that in Mexico we eat spicy food as well, right? Well, yeah. not spicy food, but we can make it spicy. And in Korea, they like spicy food a lot, so I feel like if I didn't wasn't used to that i would have hated my life yeah but since <laughs> since i'm kind of used to it i think it was not bad it was okay like i i, I i'm not that picky with food honestly. yeah was kimchi weird for you that was a shock for me when i came out here. actually not really you were fine yeah because it's just like a spicy vegetable I'm like, okay well whatever <laughs> <laughs> i guess that's true yeah i actually one of my favorite dishes is called Druchigi. Uh, Druchigi? Druchigi. Okay. It's like it's like yeok with kimchi jjigae mixed kind of. It's okay. Like, it's really good, and that has kimchi. So. Yeah, yeah. That was like that was back in the eighteen house. That was we had like limited budget, so we have to go to restaurants that were not so super expensive. So it was either that or kimbap heaven, or some some bad. Yeah, kimbap heaven out here is like. That's like the staple, yeah. like go-to place. Like if it's always open 24 hours. Yeah, save money, get basic Korean food. Yeah. So you've had you've ping-ponged basically from you know, Korea, Mexico, Korea, Mexico, Korea, Mexico. Um, have you had experiences where you had to leave a team house where that was really difficult for you or really yeah sad okay. and yeah? Because it's clear to me that you want to be here. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Back in the A team house, you know, it was like. They, we had no sponsor, right? So we had to, they, we had like, I think. Which, sorry, which team was this? A-team, A-team. A-team, okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I, thought, I was thinking of A-team, B-team. No, was no, A-team, which okay. became Jinner afterwards. Jinner, got it. So we had no sponsor, right? So, and they were looking for a sponsor and they couldn't find one. So they had to cut like five players or six. And I was one of them. So that was really, really sad. How did they tell you? Uh, they told me like I'm on that before. Yeah. They told me we, we, we're gonna pay you all your salary, but like all the rest of my contract or whatever it was, they pay me everything. But they say we have to cut some players, and you're one of them. <laughs> what did you do? Did you like? I mean, did you try to argue it or? No, no, I, I understood. Yeah. I uh, I mean I'm I'm like because I knew I'm I'm a realistic person. I I was not doing that bad, but I was not the main lineup, you know. Right. We had like six to seven players that were staples, and we had like three or four, which I was there, that we were like, that we were good, but we were not like pro league players. And then we had the, the trainees. Like, one example I like to give is I don't know if you remember Pig Baby. Pig Baby, yeah. I do remember you Pig remember Baby. You remember Pig yeah. This guy, he was in the same skill level as me. Like, we were so good, you have no idea. We were in the same skill level, and he also got laid off. Yeah. And he went and played WCS America, and he won it. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
<laughs> I was so shocked. That's so funny. But I, I was shocked, but I was not surprised. I mean, I, like, you guys don't understand how much higher the skill was when the, all mm -hmm. the pro league teams were around and stuff. Yeah. Like, it, the, training, the training was so much better and stuff like that. Like, nowadays it's also hard, but I don't know. Back then, I just feel like it was insane. So, I mean, you had to get on an airplane and come back hmm. to, where, to where you started, basically. Was your goal to try to get back to Korea, or did you think about giving up? Because I feel like out of all the players that I know, and you've basically been doing this for yeah, not just your adult life, but like basically all through puberty. And <laughs> yeah, 10 years, I would say. Yeah, 10. So, I mean, since you were 10, basically. Um, did, did you... You've had highs and lows, is what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, did you feel like giving up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after that, I went back home. I was insane. Like, was, I was super good while I was depressed because I wanted to play pro league, right? Uh, right. I would go back and I would beat everyone in the DNA or the Europe ladder, no problem. But that was not what I wanted. I wanted to play pro league, right? Right. And that was like, well, you're fucked. You can't do that anymore. So I was just... I mean, I was playing, but I was not super motivated. I was playing, and that happened for like a couple of years, actually. I was playing StarCraft 2, and I was playing a lot of Tibia, as I told you that. Right. Like a lot, a lot. I, I had a, a very expensive character that I ended up selling and stuff like that. So after, yeah, after that, and then fast forward, like I just kept doing that. Two years playing a lot of Tibia, playing StarCraft 2, not going to tournaments because I just wanted to play more Tibia. And then in 2016, at the end of 2016, I realized that even though I was good and I could beat a lot of players, I was not the best, right? I was not even close. So I decided that I would give Korea one more chance. And that's when Jake, no regret, right. opened the house in Korea, right? We were back in Seoul. Okay, I forgot the name of it. Yeah, were you guys in Itaewon? No, that was his no, first. That house. Was his first first one, house was Itaewon. Okay, let me see if I can remember this. The next house Shilin, was. Shilin. Shilim, right? Yeah, okay. okay. So, so Shilim is in, is in just for the people that aren't in Korea. Uh, Jake had an original team house in the uh, uh, immigrant district of, of Seoul. I wasn't there. You were not there for that. Um, and then he ended up getting a house that was in, in Shilim, which is uh, south, central, southern central Seoul, basically. Yeah. So he opened the house. I was in China for uh, WC, WCG. No, WCS. WCS, yeah. No, 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 no. No? WESG. I don't know if you know that. It's yeah, yeah, WESG, yeah. Yeah, I was for that. <laughs> and then we were talking before, like, hey, we're going to open a new house. Do you know if you want to come? And I was thinking about it for a And then I said, you know what? Because I know playing for Mexico it sucks so much ass. Because you play on Europe server, but you have lag. Or you play on NA server and you play nobody's. Yeah. There's like, you have no choice, right? So I decided, okay, well, I'm going to give one more year a shot. And I came to Korea, and I practiced very hard. I knew it wasn't going to be the same as the Kespa team, but I still have fr had friends from the Kespa teams, like I still do right now and back then. So I knew, like, even I'm, if I'm going to live with a bunch of foreigners, I could apply what I know from back then, three, two, three years before, what I know about how to work and how to practice. And I ended up doing that, and that's when I feel like 2017, 18, 19, and 2020, like those four years, it's been like my, my like I would say like my resurgence, you know, like yeah. 2017, no one would think I would get like top four at BlizzCon, you know. I was there for that, man. That was that was crazy. It was it's like it was like unheard of, you know, like yeah. And I think a lot of other players were overshadowing you at that yeah. time, but it was like no, man, yeah, no fuck that, man. Like this is special 2000, time. 2017 was when Neve won like every event. You remember? Yeah, that? I remember. Yeah. The only one that was able to beat him was me. Like, I was the only one who could beat him or put him, like, very close to losing. And people, I don't know, but I didn't really care. I just was there, and I practiced a lot in 2017, 18, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like that was the best move I made in my career. One of the things I've noticed about you is that you have, I think, a better work ethic than almost all other pros. Like, you, you really just, you put the hours in. Like, you grind out builds and strategies, and... Uh, I mean, I really respect that. There's some players that seem to be able to play very little and not... Zerg players. Zerg players. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, w w where does that drive for you come from? Where, like, you... Because it seems like you've always been like that. 
right? You've always just been, is, is this a desire to win or is it like playing the game at a high volume? Does that, does that soothe your mental state or, or what's, what's behind that yeah. drive? So it's a mix of everything actually. So one of the things that since I was little kid, I was, I was kind of influenced by the brute war mentality of the more you play, the better you are. I don't, I, don't know if that, I don't know if that works, holds true now. But I think it's still, it's, it, it can't hurt. It can't make you worse. There's no way it makes you worse. It might hold you back in other stuff, but it's not going to make you worse. So that's what, what I, I had as a... And then I came to Korea, and the coaching style and stuff like that, it was similar to that, to what I already knew. So as I say, I apply everything like that to my training. So yeah, I will say, but I will say nowadays, I can do that. I can still do that. I can still sit there and play all day, but I don't do that anymore. I do a lot of thinking and I just play a lot when I feel like I need, I have an important tournament coming soon, basically. So you were talking about, you know, kind of doing a lot of thinking. Um, and I think a lot of people don't know this about pros. They think they think that they just play games all day, but can you explain to me, like when you say you do a lot of thinking, like what, what is that process like? Okay. So I would, the way I do it, everyone does it different, is I try to think about what's the current meta. What would be good against that? How can I ex exploit players' weaknesses when I know who I play? And I also like to study a lot, you know, like, let's say there's a, this random online tournament. I watch it. I, I don't even like pay full attention, I skip it. And if I find something that's interesting, no matter what league it is, I find stuff that's really good from 6K players, that, which would be like amateurs, basically. Like, it doesn't matter. And then I, I try to apply that into my game. Like using, for example, using their build, but applying and make it a little bit better. And it ends up being good. That happens a lot, actually. So that's what I do. And so it's not only playing, I feel, especially with StarCraft 2, more than Broadway, probably Broadway. You can get carried a lot more by mechanics itself. I I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean StarCraft Two is moving into much. I mean, it's still mechanically fast. hard, but it's not as hard as. Yeah, well, StarCraft Two is kind of funny because it's like it is the fastest RTS game. Yeah, it's this really is a phrase fast. I'm using more and more now. Yeah, but it's really fast. I mean, yeah. it was always fast, but it kind of just dawned on me where I'm like, no, this is fucking way faster than anything. Yeah, the whole game's just sped up and crazy. Um, do you do, uh, do you keep like build order notebooks or do you spend time reviewing your own VODs yeah. or do you, I know there's all, there's all sorts of tools out there that people use. Like I've seen, I, I haven't actually haven't seen it. I've heard of people that use eye trackers yeah. on their monitor. I mean, have you uh, experimented with any, with any of that? Well, I used to try to do a notepad, but I don't know, that didn't work for me. I, I tried it. It, it, it just... It didn't work for me. Like uh, it, it can, it, it can obviously work. It's different for every player. For example, I know Nip writes a book about everything he's writing. And yeah, that's that's doing. how I have to do. I have to write. Yeah, no, it's fine. Notes out. Yeah, I used to live with Hurricane, and he will do that too as well. But that didn't work for me. But that's fine. Not everything works for everyone. Right. But I don't know. I just like to keep it in my mind. Mind, and sometimes if I'm having a struggle, like uh, this matchup, for example, I don't know. I need new ideas. Sometimes I just go watch and back my, watch my old BODs or somewhere else old BODs and get ideas from there. Because they also, people seem to forget about builds that can still work now. Yeah. They think, oh, well, this is, doesn't work. You know, they actually still work, some of them. So you just have to find. Do, do you feel like, you know, as, as a pro, <clears throat> excuse me, do you feel like as, as a pro, because for the level of StarCraft 2 that you're playing at, like you're consistently in GSL Codex, you've been top four in the world, which would put you at that time, the highest, most accomplished foreigner of the year. If you just want to get to like what WCS is about, right? That big tournament, everybody comes together and we kind of grind it out until there's only one person left. Um, how much of your practice is simply circumventing the meta? Okay, that's, I would say a lot because I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm not innovation. I'm not, even though now innovation nowadays, he mixes his stuff a lot, I'm not. Like I'm, I'm okay mechanically, but I'm very, very good at making builds and very, very good at abusing builds and very, very good at knowing people's weaknesses. So that's what's my advantage over 
other players. So I would say a lot, but I also still just practice my mechanics and stuff like that. Obviously, you have to, you have no choice. How, what is the best way to practice your mechanics? I would say it's like you use sit there and grab two very standard build orders per matchup and you just play the ladder. That's, that's the easiest and fastest way to build your mechanics. Like you don't care about if you win or lose, but you care about having like perfect. Don't forget depots. Don't forget the build, uh, making the amount of units correctly every time. And don't get supply block, try to micro well. That's, that's how you build your mechanics. Two, one or two builds per matchup and just play ladder. That's how you build mechanics, basically. You know, I get a, there's a lot of different people that watch this podcast. You know, there's people that have an interest in, in, in me or there's people that are interested in esports or, or certain players. But I feel like there's going to be a lot of people that are going to watch this episode who are Terran players of a high rank who are trying to get to where you're at. Um, so we're talking about players who are masters or even GM. Uh, probably a lot of them watch your stream or follow your tournament games. What do you think actually, if you were to give those people advice, like on how to get better, what are those people not doing that you're doing? Well, it depends how much time they have, right? But if they have, let's say they have the available time, what they're probably not doing, first, first and foremost, they're probably getting mad at something. That's, that's a very common thing that I see. I get mad, but I do it for fun in my stream, for example. I normally don't get that mad when I play the game. They get mad, and they also probably making the very, very, very basic mistakes that only come with experience. You know, like being able to read the game for Terran players, I feel is very important. Right. And not many, actually not many people are able, able to do that as Terran, I feel. So that's why it's either, if you're not able to read the game, you have to be a mechanical godlike innovation, which he nowadays he is obviously able to read the game very well and stuff like that. But back then, like to, when he won everything, he was not that well, not good at reading games. But he just had better mechanics than everyone else, so he just won everything. So, but that that nowadays doesn't work anymore. So I feel like thinking about thinking about the game and understanding how the game works, other races, your race, what they can do, what they can do, when they can attack you, when they can't attack you, etc. Et that's the best, the, the highest. The most important thing after mechanics that you have to. Did did you ever deal with emotional issues as a player? Because I know there's two things that are incredibly common with pros. Well, not not with pros, but with people that are trying to get good at the game. Is anger management. Yeah. And then uh, other players have severe depression because <laughs> they're not happy with where they are in the game. Did, did you ever, or have you ever struggled with either of those? Well, uh, the anger management, I, as I told you, I don't get mad. But I guess it was not depression, but I was just like whatever, was when I told you before 2017, the little story, that would say that's my lowest point, I would say. Yeah. After I get out of teammate, basically. Yeah, yeah. What was it like for you when you got to come back to Korea finally? Was that like, was that like a, a big emotional yeah. healing moment for you? Well, it was super nice because literally, I think I came back to Korea and three months after, or two months after, there was the WCS. It was, I think, in Austin. And no one would give anything for me. Like, well, this guy, you know, he's always doesn't go to tournaments or everything. And I just show up, and I think I got, like, top four or to the final of the tournament. I don't remember. Top four, probably. And they were like, well, this guy normally wouldn't, I mean, he's good, but he wouldn't perform this well. So that gave me a lot of confidence to keep going. I think that that was very important for me. Kind of going back to the very beginning, like you seem like you've just always been a competitive person. Like you started out in Yu-Gi-Oh, then you were going to computer cafes and playing Brood War, Tibia. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's important. We had I was a guild master. Oh, really? I didn't know <laughs> yeah. that. Okay. So wh why do you feel like you're like that? Because most people, I think they like the... My take, tell, you can tell, tell me if you disagree, but I feel like most people like the fantasy of being good or being a top player, but they don't like the work that you have to put into it. What what motivates you with that? Because it seems like you've basically never not been competitive. Yeah, I actually don't know the answer to that. I just like to be able to beat someone at the game, I guess. I don't really... I guess 
it even goes back to my childhood. Every time I did something that I like, I was always pretty good at it because I put the time. So there was, I was really good at running. I was really good at football. And I guess I was, I wasn't that good at Yu-Gi-Oh actually. It was okay. Yeah. I, I was that, that guy that spent a lot of money, <laughs> <laughs> but I was pretty good at, at, at the, I think it was at Starcraft as well. And then also sometimes I, I used to play Pokemon, like. You're into the Pokemon series too, right? No, no, I didn't watch the series. I used to play competitive. Oh, okay. All right. I, I, was, I, I mean, I was not the best. Pokemon. I was not yeah. the best, but I was, I was, I was okay. I was like, the, there was this, there's, let's translate it to a StarCraft 1 ladder. So the, the top of the ladder was like 2K and I was like 1.8 of the ladder, like in points. So, it, I mean, it was, it was okay. It was just okay, but I just played that for fun. So I always, as I say, I always just like to do what I like. I, I try to do it my best, I guess. That's why. If you were not doing competitive gaming, what would you be doing? Mm, that's a very hard question. I don't even know, man. Because I never thought about that when I was I was just too focused in playing the game. Because you've never thought about this, like if you. I mean, maybe I did, but I would give you like a generic doctor or whatever. But I don't even think I want to be a doctor right now, for example. Like, okay. I I just thought I would be. I would succeed because I would try very hard. But I, I actually one thing that I really wanted to do was like be a crimin, criminalist. You know? A criminalist? Like yeah. A criminologist? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of those police guys that. It like solves the complicated. Yeah. Like Mindhunter. Did you see Mindhunter on Netflix? No. Oh, you haven't seen this? No. Oh, that's an interesting answer though. Okay, so why would you want to be? Well, my mom used to watch a lot of CSI and Criminal yeah. Minds and all the all those shows. So. I guess I got it from that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here. It's 2020. Um, and, you know, obviously with with COVID-19, there's like, this is just a fucking weird time. Like this is, for the, for the people that are listening, um, you know, most pro gamers that are not Korean do not have visas that allow them to stay here permanently which was never an issue before because there was always tournaments. Yeah. So like, and this is just for, for the people that don't know the, the rules of travel is you can't just stay in another country permanently. So, so you gotta, and, and you can always come back in, you just have to leave and come back in. Those are the rules, right? It's basically everywhere actually. Yeah, yeah it's like that everywhere, yeah. Um, and this didn't matter for pros out here uh, because you would just fly to a tournament. You were always flying and you, anyways. You were, no, you were not working, like it's illegal to work yeah, but right. you're not working. You're not working. Yeah. Like I'm making money overseas, so they don't really. Care. Yeah, they don't care. They don't care. But um, yeah. Now we're in this phase where everything is just stuck, and 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 foreigners are getting pulled out of the country. And um, we talked about this a little bit in the previous podcast. But basically, if you're going to come into come into Korea from anywhere, you have to be in quarantine for two weeks in a hotel somewhere where you can't leave the room, and then. I think you have to pay $2,100 or $2 million or whatever. $2,100. I don't know what it is in one right now. but um, and, then, and then you can come back out and be around here. And if you're Mexican or American, our visa period is three months if it's a tourist visa, right? Um, and so you're one of the last StarCraft foreigners, one of the last non-Koreans in the whole country. Yeah, me and Scarlett. You and Scarlett. She gets six months somehow. I don't, how the fuck do Canadians get six know, months? I don't know, man. He's really jealous. I, yeah, I can't believe it. I'm an American. Like, my military base is here. I don't understand. It's so... Yeah. I thought we would get a better deal. Uh, <laughs> like, for me, I'm, I'm here on an E6 visa, so I'm an entertainment. Yeah. Entertainment visa. I, I, I get that renewed through the company, so I'm fine. But uh, you've been using a lawyer, right, to try to get your visa... Extended, yeah, extended month by month yeah what is that process like okay so oh, actually sorry just before you say so just so the viewers understand you were supposed to be ejected from the country and you've basically managed to push it back month by month yeah you're trying to stay here as long as possible yeah. legally yeah yeah, yeah yeah sorry go ahead okay so I, I, I was obviously supposed to leave two months ago so i have a friend that is a korean american that plays poker that played broadway back then who's uh, he speaks perfect Korean, which is in the same situation as me. Like he plays poker. So he just, he likes to live here because it's better than America, I think. Mm -hmm. So 
he's, he's also very worried because, oh, fuck, I can't come back. What am I going to do? So he started looking around and then he found that you can actually keep pushing it. You don't even need the lawyer, but the lawyer is the safest way, I think, because you can kind of yourself kind of screw it up a little bit. And yeah, yeah, no, I always get a lawyer for something like yeah. that. So well, the way the lawyer works is you pay in a fee, which is like around $120, $130, and he will do us a bunch of paperwork and send it to the immigration. You don't even have to do anything. You send the lawyer the paperwork, so it's really simple. And you, you get extended. So I got extended already twice. Normally, twice is the maximum, but my friend got extended three times already. And I think they're just going to let you keep extending because, you know, the whole corona stuff is really fucked up, you know? This is a mess. It's, yeah. it's a really mess. Like, I don't know. It's like I, I've been doing research, and some people say the planes are very safe, but some other people say it's not safe. Yeah, so I, I don't know what to think about it. Yeah, I feel like I can't get any clear information anymore. I mean, I follow this. Like, I remember everybody was saying that this was going to go away in the summer. Ah, like when no, it no. first happened, it's like, no. No, no. They, it, no it, it depends it, where you get your info from. Like, I, I get it from the Mexico. One, in 2006, I think, we had an epidemic of influenza. I don't know if you know about that. So I, I, I follow that guy, basically. He knows what he's talking about. Okay. He's the one that kind of deal with the whole Mexico back then. So now he doesn't deal with this one because he's retired, but he still explains what you can do. And he says the plane is okay as long as you wear the mask. But I don't know. Like I feel like the the Korea government is allowing you to extend your your even if you're a foreigner because for humanitarian reasons, I would say, right? Oh yeah, for humanitarian reasons. Like, no, well, that would make sense if they're they're able to do that because I know because you're doing legal. It's not like you're just staying here for. Yeah, no, you're just a tourist here, and you don't want to. I don't want to die in the plane, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of scary, man. I mean, it seems like the United States, especially, but just no, Mexico's pretty bad too, man. Yeah, mm -hmm. is I see. I feel like I also find that like I can't follow news on other countries about coronavirus because it's like I'm only getting news about America yeah. from my country, but I have no idea what's going on in other countries. Is it is it really bad in Mexico? We're like top six. Top six? Yeah. Damn. I mean, it's not as bad as it's not as bad as the U.S. You guys. Four million. We're number one, man. <laughs> number yeah. one for everything. That's right. <laughs> but no. it's not good. So I would rather not. Like the mortality rate in Mexico is it's big. Is it? Yeah. It's, well, it's because it's not. In Mexico, either you have money or you don't. Yeah. So if you have money, you'll probably be okay. But if you don't, you're probably not okay. So if you, let's say the worst case scenario happens and the. And they, this one get denied. They just say, no. Fuck you, Juan. You got to go yeah. back to Mexico. Yeah. Uh, are you going to try to come back in to Korea and try to extend it? Or are you going to stay in Guadalajara? I, I mean, I, I, me as a Mexican, I'm, I'm allowed to come back because when this whole thing mess happened, I don't know if you remember, like so, yeah. a bunch of countries closed the borders with Korea. Like Canada's done that, right? Yeah, Canada can't come so back. So no regret, Jake. Like he, he can't He's come just back. stuck in Canada now. Yeah. Even though he has this apartment out here. Yeah. Yeah. Like he cannot come back until they open it again. I don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah. But yeah. So I could come back, but I, it would all depend if I would still have an apartment here. You know, all my life is like turned around. So yeah. my plan is to keep extending it as possible and renew my apartment. And then even if I pray for Mexico, just come back at some point that it's even a little less bad or that. The quarantine system is a little bit better because I heard some sto some stories. It's bad. The state when going yeah, there. Yeah, state. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, if 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 you get stuck in quarantine, we'll probably have to send you a package with food and Please, stuff. Please don't don't let me die. I won't let you die. I mean, don't if, worry. Because <laughs> I heard his story. I mean, if the quality was good, I wouldn't mind it. Apparently, the food quality they give you in the quarantine is just a disaster. It's not even that, like the internet and all that. What the fuck, man? Yeah. But I, I would consider it, like, I would say, like, yeah, you know, it's much better to be here than in Mexico for every every reason, my life. I would probably, so I, I I hope that what would end up happening is I will extend it as much as possible. Then at one point, I obviously have to leave because you can't just stay here unless they keep doing humanitarian reasons. I don't know. I use hope. Yeah. And then renew my apartment, stuff like that, because my apartment ends in November, so. And you're living with Armani yeah. right now? Yeah. Fuck, man. Yeah, it's a little hard. 
Yeah, man, everything sucks right now. When, when do you think, uh, if you had to predict, and I know, I mean, this, is, this pandemic's basically going to be the craziest thing everybody who's alive watching this has, has lived through. Um, when do you think there's going to be... A vaccine? Maybe not even a vaccine. When are things going to be back to normal? After a vaccine. And from what I heard from the experts, this is what they say, the guy. They say there's most likely going to be a vaccine this year. But the problem is not getting the vaccine. The problem is getting the distribution of vaccine. Like distribute look like how many million billion people there is on the planet, you know? Yeah, yeah. That says that's what's gonna take longer, even longer. So he his prediction is like at least one more year. So all like in the in the best in the best case best scenario. case scenario. It's crazy, man. Yeah, and we we don't. I mean, the best case scenario sometimes doesn't happen too. Yeah, I mean that's his prediction, and that but that's a lot of experts' prediction, you know. Yeah. It's not what I say is what I hear from the experts. Right, right. Man. Yeah. Imagine. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's yeah it's it's a very weird time you've been doing a lot of um you were doing a lot of streaming yeah um i know like all pros you were streaming from time to time but now it's pretty regular right yeah yeah it's pretty regular it's a great income way man yeah i'm doing it too now i'm well, loving why it. not <laughs> well there's no tournaments for me to go to um well even if there is <laughs> look at look at parting <laughs> now that i'm doing it i think man i could have started this a little bit earlier but yeah yeah, Twitch seems like it's going to save everybody as far as gaming goes, man. Um, it is, at least for me. Well, me hopefully through this podcast, maybe we'll get some more people to, to go to your Twitch channel. What is your Twitch channel exactly? Oh, okay, it's, uh, special underscore. So twitch.tv slash special underscore. Okay, people want to support you. Subscribe. Then go please. there. Subscribe. <laughs> send them some money. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Was oh. there anything else you wanted to talk about or is there anything you wanted to ask me or, before we wrap this up? Well, I know you for so long, and you yeah. told me, could you please come? And I say, of course, I will come anytime. And I'm here, so thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on, man. And yeah, it was great, and I hope everyone likes this little, I would call it like more like an interview, right? Yeah. Like, like a little, this little interview. So, yeah, and I hope everything goes well for me in the next future yeah, for good, everyone else. Good luck with that, man. Thank Take you, care. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to that episode of the podcast. We're going to be back in two weeks unless there's some crazy hiccup or interruption i've already talked to our guests as well uh, i'm really excited to continue uh, onward doing this podcast you know my life's really changed a lot since the coronavirus outbreak not doing events but it's allowed me to focus in on stuff like making this podcast and streaming as well so again just like i said at the start of the show if this podcast is something you really enjoy if it's something that you want to support the best way to do that is to go to patreon.com forward slash tasteless podcast uh and if you have extra money throw some our way it's really appreciated and it goes to make ends split here uh, for the production of the show that's all the time we have guys thanks so much for uh joining and i will see you guys on sunday i'll be streaming tomorrow afternoon around 1 p.m onward uh sunday kst i'll also stream monday and tuesday tuesday will be a birthday stream all of them around the same time uh take care guys love you bye-bye this podcast was produced by State, artwork by Alaris, music by Mark Lentz. Special thanks to our top Patreon supporters, Seth N., Rohit Somebody, and Charlie Sheever. I love you guys. Stay safe, wash your hands, and wear a mask. Bye-bye.